How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma City Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. of Locked On Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. I'm your host, Fred Katz. Locked On Thunder is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can head on to iTunes, and you can search Locked On Thunder to subscribe to the podcast there. You can leave a review as well. Find us on audioboom.com, too. Today's show is presented by SeatGeek. Use SeatGeek to find the best deals on tickets. I'm on every day of the week now, Monday through Friday. It's basketball season. We actually have stuff to talk about that's not just like me making stuff up and 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 giving random opinions that might be totally untrue. Recording this one shortly after the Thunder's 92-89 to victory over Barcelona, preseason win number one. And joining me to talk about the game and more is a man who always wins. It's time for Royce's Voices, people. ESPN's Royce Young. I always win, huh? Always, always be winning. You always win. You're like, you're like, you're like what DJ Khaled had in mind. What yeah, <laughs> that's me. He, he's, he, well, he actually, little on fact, he didn't write that song about himself. He wrote it in another person's voice, and that voice was yours. In Royce's Voices. It was Royce's Voices. Exactly. This is getting off to it. This is starting on a terrible note. I might, I might have to edit out the entire podcast and just run total silence for tomorrow's podcast. I think, <laughs> I think, I think at least then people will be like, wait, what happened? You made a mistake as opposed to just like, Oh my God, this is already going terribly. So the thunder, the thunder won a game. Yeah. That's one a, and uh, one, one and one, because I mean, that's really what matters most. Yeah. Um, so the thunder won a game. They won 92 to, to 89. Andre Robertson had eight points. Sabonis had eight points, two boards, three assists. Canner had 24 and eight. Um, Oladipo ten. Russell Westbrook played, you know, his first, the first and uh, the first and, and third quarter, like he did on Monday as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any big takeaways after two preseason games? Here's my biggest takeaway, honestly, and, and caveat disclaimer, whatever you want to do on top of it, that not only are these preseason games, but these are preseason games against non NBA teams. Although I would say. For the casual listener out there that, that maybe uh, is not up to snuff on their international uh, Euroleague basketball, these are pretty good teams. I mean, Madrid is really good. Yeah, I mean, they're not. There's, they would beat every single D League playing team they played. First of Ma- all, Madrid would beat the Nets. Yeah, probably so. I mean, they, they've got some good players on these teams. Um, I mean, Juan Carlos Navarro is a legend to to most of NBA junkies. Um, uh, you know, uh, Joey Dorsey, who got rejected twice by Thunder Guards today, uh, former NBA player. I mean, but the, Victor Claver, I mean, there, there's some good players on these teams. You know, Real Madrid's got some pretty good players. So it, these are not just like, this is not, I, I think people might have the, like, they might equate it, uh, to, uh, Team USA playing in, you know, uh, an international team, like Team USA playing Slovenia or something. And you're expecting like a 35 point blowout. Th- these are pretty good teams. Now, the Thunder should be beating these teams, no question. But again, you know, like you said, Fred, also Westbrook sits the fourth quarter. Victor Oladipo, I think, didn't play like the last eight minutes today. Um, so, 
you know, when you're, when you're trying to judge these things overall, you have to kind of keep all that in mind. And, and preseason, uh, judgments have to be kind of made with a measured mindset that, you know, this is, this is not the same as an NBA season. The big takeaway I had though, all that to be said, uh, Andre Robertson looks like a new player to me. I mean, he really does. He, he looks like a guy that has really worked on his ball handling, really focused on trying to make quick, decisions not hesitating at all when he catches the ball um has has he attempted a three yet i don't know if he has yeah he he took a corner three today i'm not he did okay i'm not looking at the box score right now i don't like to leave my browser open when i do the podcast because if i do i start getting notifications popping up and my teacher start checking twitter the whole time well well, my teachers growing up always told me every teacher told me the same thing fred you're not a distractor but you're always the distractee so so I, I take away the things that will distract me because I know I'm going to zone out in the middle of the podcast. So you just stare at like a blank screen in front of you in a dark room, <laughs> just focused in on every word I say. That's, um, that's just my life in general. That's how, but, that's how my parents had me grow up. Just, <laughs> just put me in a closet. Put a blindfold on you, send you around. Um, but, but the point is that Robertson is clearly not just standing in a corner. I mean that, that, that's effectively what he did for a lot of – of the regular season last year is they planted him in a corner. Nobody spaced out to guard him. I mean, he was, uh, you know, basically a zero threat. Um, and, you know, Billy Donovan, to his credit, tried to come up with a few different sets and there were a few different reads, you know, where Robertson would make a hard baseline cut and Westbrook would throw him a lob. Um, but they basically told him be active on the offensive glass and, you know, guard your position and shoot when you're open. And that's, that was really all his role was that expanded a lot in the postseason, we saw that against the Spurs. We saw that really against the Warriors when he kind of flip flopped with the Bach and started playing the power forward position. But you know, this is something that we've talked about before, Fred. That you know they're going to focus on using Robertson more as a screener this year. They want to put the ball in his hands. But in order to do that, he had to show a, a level of an improvement. One play that sticks out a lot in my head. Now he didn't finish it in like the I think it was the first quarter today, um, or I should say Wednesday against uh, Barcelona. Is he he, he pulled a and a left-handed in-and-out dribble and got into the paint. Now, it got poked away from him right as he was about to go up for a layup. But, like, I was like, who is this guy? Like, who, Andre Robertson with a with a swift, nifty little in-and-out left-handed dribble to free himself up and get dribble penetration. Like, that's clearly something new for him. And, again, I don't want to draw some sort of massive uh, judgment off the fact that he's he's looked good in two preseason games, but I think it's obvious that he's improved in in that area. I'm glad. Oh, Royce, leaving the phone on. I got, uh, look at me. Oh, That's oh, my phone no. ringing. It's important people calling me. Oh no! Oh no! I uh, <laughs> I just turned I the phone to, off, man. To try to sound important. That's all oh. I did. I uh, I'm glad you brought up Robertson. I'm glad you brought up Robertson because I had Robertson in my outline. He's someone I wanted to talk about, but let's talk about it now because it's it is interesting. Talking about first of all, no, he he is not just standing in the corner anymore. You can we call it the the dirty dancing improvement because you can't just put baby in the corner anymore. If you want to say that, why don't you go sit in your dark room for a yeah. minute? Think about what you just said. <laughs> that's 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 what I'll have to. Do. That's actually the exact circumstance when I made a terrible pun. That's when my parents would put me in the closet. So that <laughs> that's uh, you, you seem to think along the same lines as them. You know, I I. I I wonder what's going to happen with Robertson come the regular season because every year we see narratives arise. And I don't mean when I say narratives, I don't mean the negative like, oh, narratives. But we see storylines arise in the preseason that aren't untrue. They are things that are happening in the preseason. But for whatever reason, whether it's because 
uh, players or coaches are using the preseason to improve or to experiment or to see what works and what doesn't. Or maybe sometimes some players just feel like they, because the games don't matter, they can try out different things and then they get a little tenser during regular season games when it really matters and they don't want to try out things they're not quite as confident with. But for whatever reason, that stuff can go away. We'll see a guy shooting threes in the preseason and then he'll stop shooting threes and, you know, big man shooting threes in the preseason. He'll stop shooting threes in the regular season. We'll see teams implement some kind of like, you know, some, some certain actions that they're running in the preseason. You're like, Oh, they're going to run that this year. And then they don't run it in the regular season. Um, And, and I wonder with Robertson if, cause, cause he clearly, I mean, he is playing in a fashion. Now I haven't watched a ton of Thunder preseason games before because I, I was not on the Thunder beat until the middle of last season. You, you so have I'm a life and you're not a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already watched three Thunder preseason games this year because I watched the Madrid one twice already. Oh, so, boy. Oh, oh yeah. boy, Fred. Well, I did, a, I did a film breakdown piece on the defense on, on Madrid, so I, I rewatched that second game. You can't just pick out random plays. you gotta got to watch the right. whole thing to find trends and then find the best plays representative of the trends. So. Watch the game a second time. You know, got to do what you got to do. It's, yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, I, I'm training too. It's the preseason for me too. It's the Freddie film room. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I wonder, I wonder with Robertson if, if this is something, because he was getting the ball, getting out in transition. He was making bounce passes in transition. He ran a pick and roll with their son, Eliasova, where he threw him a nice, mm-hmm. like, pocket, pow- uh, pocket pass bounce pass that, like, off the jump that, that he didn't look, you know, he didn't look like Chris Paul doing it, but he, he looked like he had some, level of confidence in doing so. And you talk to some people around the Thunder and, and they, I'd ask like, so who's, who's looked impressive so far. And a couple of people told me Andre Robertson just looks, he's got a new confidence and mm-hmm. it sounds like such a cliche to me. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? He's got new confidence. Um, and uh, I kind of, I know what they mean now. Uh, yeah. He does. Cause, cause whether he's actually making the play or not, these are not things that he's tried before. And uh, it takes that confidence to actually try, you know, getting out in transition or, uh, you know, making that more decisive cut or actually trying to run that pick and roll with Ilya Sover and trying to make that pocket pass and bouncing it to him on the roll. Like, those aren't things he's tried before. So it ta- I, I understand what they mean now when they were saying he's playing with a new confidence. I totally, I totally, get, I totally see the same thing now. And that's, and that's the word that kind of comes to mind, you know, confidence. The other one, I think you just said it too, is decisive, is that you know, and previously with Robertson, when he'd catch it and he'd be standing there wide open, um, you could kind of see the wheels turning in his head. Like, am I open enough to shoot this? What, you know, what, uh, how, how much is left on the shot clock? Um, should I just swing it away? And you could just see that he just was not a player assured of his role and he was worried about what he was about to do. And you could honestly probably see it in him that he's like, please don't airball this. Like, I just don't want to airball when I throw this thing up. And, um, now, you know, to me, like, you know, I, I mentioned that he's only obviously, you know, like you said, just shot one, the one three pointer. That's not, I think a lot of people have kind of put Andre Robertson in this box of like, he needs to be a three point shooter. He's got to make threes. And the Thunder and Billy Donovan, to their credit, um, you know, whether they kind of stumbled into something against the Warriors or not, or whether this was always by design, but have kind of gone the opposite way. And they've seen it as, you know, Robertson, you know, I, I've seen him shoot some in practice, and I think that his mechanics look better than they have in the past. But his future as a offensive threat is not just to try to, you know, evolve him into, um, you know, a three and D sharpshooter where he's knocking down forty percent because that's probably not realistic. So they've tried to kind of make him a more dynamic threat. And as a cutter and a driver and a screener, 
And and I think that can open up a lot of different things in the Thunder offense. Now, am I sitting here expecting Andre Robertson to score 14 points a night and you know uh, you know be the like the the small forward or shooting guard version of Draymond Green? Absolutely not. He's not going to be putting up triple doubles or anything. But having him as a player that can that can just threaten defenses with a catch, uh, you know what that means is that uh, you cannot just abandon him on the perimeter. You know, I think people kind of associate that, Fred, that like you got to make the shot to, to draw a defender. But if Robertson is a threat to catch and drive the ball and, you know, collapse a defense, force rotations, make, you know, make a, a pass that leads to a pass, you know, the hockey assist, um, then teams are going to have to guard him on the perimeter. It's not just about making shots. It's about being a threat. Is Harrison trying to get on the podcast right now? Yes. Is that what's going on back he's there? He's so jealous. He's He's trying to get in here. He wants to get his brand out there. Uh, the Harrison brand is is struggling a little bit, so he's, he's trying to get in it. He's regretting not not committing to to coming on. I take it. Yeah, well, you, he was your first request, and uh, he he said he was busy, and then you know he he was a little bit too busy with Mickey Mouse Clubhouse tonight. So well, I'll tell you what the it, it, it'll come nothing close to the greatest regret, which the greatest regret is not even making a bad joke. The greatest regret is when you buy a ticket to a game that just isn't worth the money. It's yeah. it's the worst feeling. You get to the game, your seat is just awful. It's not worth at all what you paid. So you start to wonder, how can I actually get the best deal on a ticket? Well, SeatGeek can help prevent that feeling. SeatGeek is an easy, mobile-friendly experience. You just download the app, SeatGeek, and the ticket is right there. You walk to the gate with the barcode on your phone. There's a rating on every ticket, 1 to 100, to tell you what kind of bang for your buck you get on the ticket. Plus, there's an easy way to save some more money. Uh, listen up, because this is the important part, so make sure you get this. You just go to the settings tab on the app. You click add a promo code, and you type in my promo code, LOTHUNDER. That's one word, LOTHUNDER, L-O, like locked on, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first purchase. You want to know if there are any deals to Thunder Games or Sooner Games that you're missing out on this fall? You can sign up for price alerts for those events, and those are going to let you know pricing. And more importantly, they're going to point out the sneaky moments when you lead up, leading up to events. When prices start to drop and SeatGeek is going to make sure to let you know what prices are within your selected price range. There's no more wondering what if when you think you may have overpaid for a game. Use SeatGeek and that fear is gone. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So Royce, after I totally deeped you out on that that SeatGeek segue right there, uh, what what do you think changed about the defense today? Because the defense, I mean, it was inarguably better. They gave up, what, 53 fewer points. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was overtime. And, yes, there are certain things that, that changed. And Real, people, something, something people didn't talk about a lot with Real Madrid was Real Madrid was crazy hot. Like, yeah. that was insane, the shots that they were making. They were... They were so hot from around the perimeter. They shot 20 of 37 from three. Uh, and that's – that's if you give a team an open gym and you play the worst defense possible, like 20 of 37, they're still making those 20 of 37 in game time situations. Even if all 37 are wide open, that is impressive. Like Sergio Yule, Sergio Yule made three buzzer beater threes and three consecutive – one was like a half quarter, one or like almost a half quarter. It was like two of them were off the dribble fadeaways, and one of them was off that missed free throw to send the game to overtime. Like he hit three buzzer beater threes in three consecutive quarter. Have you ever hit a buzzer beater? 
I'm glad you asked, Fred, because we discussed this. <laughs> way to way to just not uh, not make it natural. I'm not smooth with the segways. You're, uh, you're poor. No, I have hit you it. Could never, actually, you can never do a sea cake segue. Uh, I would. I'm not. I'm not good enough. Um, I have. Actually, I've hit a couple buzzer beaters to end quarters, but I have hit one buzzer, like legit buzzer beating game winner in my life. Okay, so that I knew the story. The story I don't know, and I want to hear. Uh, so. Basically, I was in sixth grade. We were playing, oh, the big time. Uh-huh. We were playing our very bitter rivals, and we were down one. And it, here's the way I hit the shot. It wasn't any, like, cool Kobe moment where, like, you know, we isolated me, and I, uh, you know, had an extra defender running at me, and I hit it. Like, we literally ran the worst out-of-bounds plays. It was like the ball was uh, – we were inbounding underneath our own basket. And – um it was like my, my my best friend was the one inbounding to me and like he bounced – you know, like I was standing within like maybe like a foot from him. Like we ran our play. It didn't work at all. And so I'm like standing like face-to-face with him and he throws it in like – he just like bounces the ball straight down at my feet. And like so keep in mind we're sixth graders. Like so I pick it up. There's like a second left. I'm like behind the side of the backboard, like the worst angle ever here. And like it really was kind of an impressive just completely lucky shot. So like I had to like lean out and I just like flipped it up. And nothing but net, man. Won the game, beat our rivals. I got I got mobbed by the team at midcourt. It felt great. That's that 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 is a great feeling. For what were you, eleven, twelve? Yeah, I did hit one. I hit a um, I hit a buzzer beater. I remember when I was like a sophomore in high school. That was like a cool one, but it was just like to I think it was just to end a quarter. Uh, but it was like uh, it was like I dribbled up and there was like time running out and it was like I was watching the clock and like I just did like a quick little. Like, you know, one step, jab step, and just like fired it up like Steph Curry um, and uh, and dropped it. But that one was like, I think that was just like in the first quarter or something. I've never hit a buzzer beater. I have definitely never hit a buzzer beater three. I've, I've rarely ever hit a three, let alone a buzzer beater three. That dude hit three buzzer beater threes in three consecutive quarters. I, yeah. That is amazing. He's he hit almost as many threes as he has L's in his name. <laughs> That's like the most ridiculous. Thing. No, 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 no. But Royce, they're they're the two L's on the outside are absolute value signs. <laughs> so it's fine. That's right. I yeah. made that joke on Twitter today, and nobody got it. I was like, None of you passed sixth grade math. You don't remember absolute value. I was too busy hitting buzzer beaters, bro. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. In sixth grade, oh, let's talk about the Thunder as opposed to terrible absolute value puns. This talk about my glory days a little bit here more. This feels good. Locked on glory days would be a solid podcast. Yeah, more more Springsteen references to add to my Thunder Road. Right, the listeners for mine would include my mother, and that is literally it. (laughs) Anyway, we were talking about the defense. Yeah. Um, was there anything that they, I mean, I, I didn't think there was that much to worry about with the defense. Like they were, they were really bad on defense in Monday, but I thought all the mistakes were correctable. Like, yeah. I don't know if you noticed there was, I mean, they, they were playing with preseason effort. There was no question Absolutely. about that. And there was, there was one play. I don't know if you noticed this one because I didn't notice it the first time I watched the game. And the second time I watched, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like what, what was that? And Victor, Victor Oladipo, um, Ran, ran, was, was, uh, guarding a, I think it was a dribble handoff. Um, and he was guarding, he was guarding Yule and he tried to go behind and do like that poke from behind that he right. always does on pick and rolls and dribble handoffs. And he did the poke 
And I guess he thought that he hit the ball because he did the poke and he didn't even look and he just turned around and started running back in transition thinking he was going to cherry pick, but he didn't get the ball. So, so Yule just kept dribbling and it was five on four and he kept dribbling and Oladipo just never even came back into the picture. And like five seconds later, Rudy Fernandez hit a wide open three. Yeah. And like, I honestly, like I said in the podcast yesterday, like, I'm not even going to knock a guy for that. It's the first preseason game. I don't know how, like, jet-lagged he is. Um, like, if I, I would judge these guys if they weren't going, like, and having a fun time in Spain. Like, you're in Spain. Have right. a fun time. Um, like, I, 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 I don't judge someone for doing that in a first preseason game. And those are the kinds of mistakes that, that led to wide-open three-pointers, which was one of the major issues on Monday. Like, that's not going to happen in the regular season. If that happens in the regular season, Victor Oladipo's not going to play. Like, right. and Victor Oladipo will never do that. Like, maybe he'll go for the poke because he's, he, he, that's part of his defensive identity, but he's not going to just not play defense after that. Um, and so those were, there were a lot of plays like that in the first game. I thought we saw fewer of those on Wednesday. And maybe that was because they just kind of all realized like, whoa, we can't do that again. Maybe it was because they were less jet lagged. Maybe it was because they were just having an off day on Monday, you know, but, but I thought we saw a lot less of that, even though, you know, there were preseason moments because it's the preseason totally excusable in my, in my opinion. I mean, you can't, the NBA season is long. It's, it's silly to play game two of the preseason, like you would play game seven of the finals, you're going to exhaust yourself. So I'm totally fine with it. I don't even mean this as a critique. It's just an observation. It's a reason for why the defense is bad, but we did see kind of less of the extreme ones uh, on in Wednesday's game. And I'd also say that and I think people associate like newness and training camp and um, adjustment to the offensive side of the ball only. Like, the, like what kind of offense are the Thunder going to run? Like, how are they going to operate with Russell Westbrook running the show almost exclusively? You know, how, what is an, an Oladipo and Cantor? How are they going to build chemistry? And I, I think people associate those things only on the offensive end, but there's a huge defensive adjustment to make too with a, a completely new team. Um, you, you know, in, in terms of just simple things like the communication and verbally calling out, uh, you know, screen and roll coverages or whatever you want to do. Um, but there's like a rhythm that you've kind of got to re get yourself back into there. You know, you kind of got to get the feel back on the defensive end about, you know, your, and I, this is what you wrote about Fred, um, in the Norman transcript and normantranscript.com. Um, oh, what a plug. Uh, the Thunder, Thunder Road blog, uh, that, uh, the rotations were just, miserably off i mean they they were they were laid on especially against madrid they were just laid on them and and uh those second and third efforts that's that's where that comes into play so like you're talking about preseason effort um good defense uh is about you know making second third fourth efforts that there's a rotation then there's a help rotation and the, the help the helper helps the helper you know so like you got to like make all that stuff happen and there are going to be breakdowns in a, in an nba season i think you know, last Thunder season is a good example of this. The Thunder were inconsistent throughout much of the regular season on the defensive end. Um, they still ranked, I don't, can't remember off the top of my head in defensive efficiency. Maybe 12. Top, top 12. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Um, so, I mean, they, they were still a, an above average defensive team, but we all saw what happened there. They coasted in the, in the regular season because they were an overwhelmingly good offensive team behind Westbrook and Durant. And then in the, in the postseason, they cranked it up a notch. It was obvious. They, everybody was like asking like, what's the difference here? Well, they started trying really hard. Russell Westbrook namely went, showed off how he can be an elite level defensive point guard. They started trying really hard and they started making those second, third, fourth efforts and it showed on the defensive end. So, but here, here's what I would look for going into the season, Fred. 
they cannot coast on the offensive end or on the defensive end the way that they did last year because they don't have that offensive luxury to to just beat teams in shootouts this season. I, at least I don't think they will. I don't think that they can just assume that, well, we're going to get 65 combined from two players like they did a season ago. Um, I think that there's a much, much smaller margin for error. And the Thunder are going to need to win a lot of games, 90 to, 92 to 89, like they did against Barcelona on Wednesday. They're going to have to be able to dig in defensively if they want to start, if they want to have a, a chance at scratching 50 wins. They're going to have to probably be a top eight defensive team or maybe even top six. And here's, here's my big concern. I think in terms, of a, uh, in terms of their starting five, I think the Thunder may finish the season with one of the two or three best defensive starting fives in the league. I really think it can be a special unit um, with, if Westbrook especially buys in. With Westbrook, Oladipo, Robertson, Adams, and whoever they start at the four, I think they can be really, really good. That second unit, I don't know if they can guard anybody. So there, I think there could be a, a significant drop-off and in the same way that Donovan figured out that he had to stagger Westbrook and Durant last year to kind of keep some sort of offensive flow going, he may have to figure out a way to stagger, I don't know, Stephen Adams and Andre Robertson or, or stagger, uh, filter in some of those, uh, those starters into the, the second unit just because if you've got a unit out there of Ennis Canner, Anthony Morrow, Kyle Singler, um, you know, Ersan Ilyasova, whoever, you're going to give up some points. And, um, but overall, I, I'm not all that, I'm not all that upset about the way that they played defensively. You know, talk to me in, in, you know, late November if they're still doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think just, just echoing something that you said or maybe adding on a little bit more is also, I mean, you talked about how, how, how defense comes with, with kind of familiarity and, and, and people talk about how the Thunder offense is going to be different and, I, I would say that defense uh, familiarity and cohesion and that kind of stuff is even more important on the defensive end because like like you talked about, defense is so much about reaction and it's so much in, – in, when you react on defense, it's not, it's not the same type of reaction to um, you see something that happens and then you do what you're going to do. I guess reaction is the bad word. You're really anticipating what your reaction right. is going to be. And then you're going there. And it's so hard to do that when you don't know the tendencies of your teammates. Like you have to know not only the schemes that you're playing. And the Thunder are playing a different style defense this year. But you also have to know the tendencies of your teammates. You have to know, okay, well, if I'm Steven Adams, uh, you know, Victor Oladipo, likes to guard pick and rolls this way. This is what he tends to do when they come at us with this action. So I know that I should probably shift over an extra step to the left or right or whatever it is because there's a greater there's a greater chance of, of the ball or a man ending up there. Um, and you see that kind of stuff midway into the year. You see that kind of stuff on teams. That's why when teams talk about – people talk about continuity with teams. That's what's important about continuity on the defensive end, just understanding where your defense is or where your – where your fellow defenders are going to be um, and where they're going to go and how you should react to that, how you should move with that. Um, the Thunder were playing lineups uh, in game one and game two, and this is going to be a thing. They have, there are so many new players on this team that the Thunder were playing lineups in which all five guys were not on the Thunder last year. Right. None of them were on the same team last year. And they were playing, you know, what was it? It was, it was Ronnie Price and Abrinas and, uh, you know, somebody else in Sabonis and Ilyasova. Um, and they weren't, and the, none of those guys was on the Thunder last year. Um, and, and those guys, you can't learn this stuff in a, in a scrimmage. You just, you just can't. It comes with time. You have to learn that stuff in game situations. You can't just learn it in drills. 
yeah, you can learn the fundamentals of it, but you're not going to actually get familiar with each other until you start playing games with each other. So I think this is something that the Thunder are going to get better at throughout the season. Something they're going to naturally get better at because they have more new guys than your average team. And that's something they just need to get. They need to find time together to where they can all kind of develop together and understand each other and, and hitting those rotations, helping each other, making helping the helper, that kind of stuff. It's it's going to come more naturally halfway into the year than it will in the second or first game of the preseason. Right. And, yeah, it's kind of about defensive infrastructure and, like, what kind of uh, habits you build. And um, like you said, Fred, I think, you know, anticip- anticipating your re- own reaction is, is extremely too – anticipating – uh, your teammates' reaction because defense is is largely about trust, and you know uh, I, I think the Thunder um, are going to have some some habits that they're going to have to overcome. Like I said, I think Russell Westbrook is going to be the guy that we're kind of going to be looking at, and you know, is he going to gamble less? Is he going to try to be more solid? How how do him and Oladipo? What kind of approach do they take? Are they going to be more aggressive? Um, but you know, again, I I don't think that I don't think you can draw a big conclusion about the fact that Real Madrid dropped 142 on them and just say, oh my gosh, they're not going to be able to guard anybody. Uh, they're they're probably going to have some issues, and they may have some issues in the first month of the season. But as as would go with anything with this Thunder team, um, this is not a finished product. I mean, this the the roster itself is probably not a finished product, and um, the the style and the system they play in. You know, Billy Donovan talked about it at um, media day. This is going to be there's going to be an element of discovery here. And uh, it's gonna. There's gonna be some experimentation on what lineups work, what rotations work, um, and you know the only way to figure out, like you said, Fred, the only way to figure this stuff out is to see it in a game and then have that that uh, that game film to go look at again because you can practice it all you want, uh, but you got to see somebody else running their stuff at you to really get an idea how it works. So you know how you watch preseason every year and you and you tell yourself the whole time like it doesn't matter. Stop falling into the trap of something. And then there's always at least one thing. Like with you, it seems like Robertson is the thing this year. Like, like you, you just, you always, there's always at least one thing where you fall into it and you're like, no, this is, this is a thing. Like, I'm convinced <laughs> right. this is a thing. Mine, so yours is Robertson. I have one too. Okay. Um, I'm like totally in on DeMontis Sabonis. Yeah. Hey, join the party, man. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm very in on Sabonis. He's, I think he's been really good. Um, the three point shot has kind of surprised me. I, you know, some people told me that he's got range to the three, but not only is he making them, but he's like taking them confidently, like you know, no hesitation. Yeah, my thing with him isn't even the 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 three pointers, which is something that that yeah, like people, a few scouts told me that they thought he was going to shoot three. I just didn't think he'd have that that kind of that this quickly. You know, yeah, I thought exactly. They thought he'd, he'd grow become, into right. They thought he'd become a three point shooter, you know, by year three or something. Um, I don't think I, I didn't hear from, and I mean, I'm sure there were people who thought it because the Thunder have him, you know, are encouraging him to do it, obviously. But uh, I hadn't spoken to anybody who thought that he was going to be shooting threes this year. They people kind of told me like, oh yeah, he's because he was really good. It's not like he you know couldn't shoot it. Gonzaga, he was a really good mid range shooter, but he was a and his dad shooter. shot threes, right? If I remember, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his dad, his dad, you know, his dad was his dad was like, um, I'm trying to think, like his dad was like what people think Porzingis is going to be if Porzingis were right. 70 pounds heavier. Right. Well, because you know, NBA fans got the the end of Sabonis, Arvita Sabonis's career. I shouldn't say the end, but like you know, the later half, the the second half of it for sure. Yeah. And didn't like a, see the yeah. the like the prime level of his like full potential. Um, 
because yeah, he's an incredible offensive player. Good, great defensive player. Mm-hmm. Really good defense. I mean, defensively, he was he was uh, he was really good. Like he was so sound and he was so huge, so he protected the rim. And he was like, like I watched. I watched a bunch of old games on RB to Sabonis this summer just because I got in this Sabonis mood when the Thunder drafted yeah. uh, Domas. And I was like, man, like he was amazing. He was really, really amazing. I watched a lot of his, like I watched the 1986, uh, 1986 game uh, of a Lithuanian team and, and one from 92 against the Dream Team. And like he was, he was incredible on both sides of the floor. Really an amazing Amazing player, but but the thing that that surprises me with Sabonis, um, which I thought he'd get eventually. I mean, look, we know that he understands the game well. We know that things come intuitively to him on the court. Um, that's you know been rehashed a million times, and I'm not surprised to see him being an active screen setter. That's something that we saw at Gonzaga a lot. It's something that we saw in the Olympics a lot, especially in those first three games. He played really well. He kind of fell off in the final three games, but. He's an active screen setter. He's an active roller. Something that he does, which I I really like, is so he doesn't always lay a screen. He's still he's not a great screen setter. He's a very active one, but he doesn't always lay the screen. But when he doesn't, he's still really good at knowing when he should slip it and right. and roll. He's also really good at knowing when the screen just doesn't set, so he comes back and just sets rescreens on the other side, which is just a great instinct. He's really good. He had a really impressive roll to the basket uh, on Wednesday when he kind of sealed his man as he was going to the hoop and 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 carved out space for himself. He's he's just really fundamentally sound for a twenty year old. But the thing that surprised me, he um, has played really good team defense. I think, mm-hmm. uh, which is just not something that you see from a rookie. And maybe maybe it's because. Uh, he knows the personnel a little bit better than the rest of the guys on the Thunder because he's familiar with the Spanish league. Um, I don't. I don't know how. I'm, I mean, I'm not an expert in Spanish and you know in a- ACB basketball. Um, so, so I I could not tell you how similar this roster is to when Domas was playing over there, um, whether at Barcelona or with. Uh, or with Real Madrid, but but maybe it's because he's a little more familiar, and and we'll see when when he's playing against NBA teams and going in NBA season, and maybe doesn't quite have time for a scouting report on a back to back how he moves within the defense. But he's rotated well, like rotated yeah. really promptly. He knows when to close out on shooters. He knows when to get out into the perimeter. Um, I'm not even talking about. Um, you know, typical you know pick and roll stuff or or anything like that, and I do think he needs to improve as a pick and roll defender. But just general rotations, when someone comes over and helps, he's he's he knows where to go when he's helping the helper or when he's helping on defense or anything like that. And that is something that we don't see in rookies. Like it almost never happens in rookies. Um, like you know, happened in Carl Anthony Towns, but Carl Anthony Towns <laughs> is a total and complete aberration. I'm not comparing him to Towns. Towns is. Crazy. Fred Katz just compared right. Demonis Sabonis. Yeah. To Tim <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. He said he's Tim Duncan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's just something that we don't we don't see in rookies. Like, like I think Miles Turner is going to be a really good defensive player because uh, he's smart and he's got all the physical tools. But Miles Turner last year was a below average defender because he didn't know how to defend pick and rolls and he and he was a really late helper because because he's a rookie. And that's right. just what rookies are. Like, that's what rookies always are. And the fact that Sabonis is at this level right now is just very encouraging. And it's it's making me, like, I, I've I've been on the Ilyasova should start. I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't think it's a bandwagon. I don't no. want to say it's a bandwagon because I don't, I don't want that bandwagon, like, taking me any place. So I don't want to call it. 
I've been I've been pushing the Ilisova should start thing. I'm just gonna call it a thing, and you can decide what type of thing it is. Uh, but like, I'm kind of I realize it's two games against non NBA teams, uh, but but I'm kind of being sold because some of these things look pretty translatable to me within the Thunder defense. Uh, big time Andre Robertson update. He just retweeted somebody that said Andre Robertson coming for all the haters this year, and he retweeted it with straight up smiley face one hundred emoji. So <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about my Andre Robertson uh, so, uh, my Andre Robertson talk there. So, um, but no, on Sabonis, I, that you know, you, you I think you tweeted out a, a video of, of that play where he sealed him. And like the word that keeps kind of coming to my mind is feel. Like he's clearly got feel, and that's something that you you can't really completely teach. But in terms of the defensive end, yeah, go back and watch tape of Stephen Adams as a rookie. I mean, Adams, I don't know if I'd call him an elite level defensive uh, center right now, but he's clearly an above average, very very good um, defensive big man. And even still, you know, Adams makes mistakes now, but. Uh, as a rookie, you know, you could just see the wheels turning in his head, like trying to, he was like clearly trying to sort out, like, do I have enough space with my man? You know, where, where do my feet need to be on the screen and roll? You know, oh yeah, I got to call out which side the screen's on. I mean, you could see like all this stuff going through Adams's head, uh, as like, you know, he's got Chris Paul and Blake Griffin running a screen and roll at him. He's like, oh crap, I didn't even say which side the screen's on. And, um, you know, that stuff is hard to like do it. I don't think people realize how fast the NBA game is happening. I mean, it is, it is coming at you over and over again. And you got to be making just, you know, a hundred minor decisions. What did David Blatt say? Like a fighter pilot. I mean, in some ways he's, he's completely, it's completely true in terms of even the coaches and the players on the floor. So, um, yeah, Sabonis, I think, uh, you know, I think I, we did a podcast earlier this summer and I'm going to toot my own horn. I'm tooting it right now. Um, I predicted that Sabonis would be the starting four man by the end of the year. And I didn't really even have any inside information on that. It's just, I just, it seemed like it was going to be a fit, especially with kind of this, uh, you know, trans, uh, you know, this kind of transition year the Thunder are in where they're looking probably to play more youth. Uh, I, I think that they probably were going to see that as, you know, especially with the fact that in my mind, I think Ennis Canner is going to be the most uh, tradable player that they have. They need to find somebody else that's going to fit along Steven Adams and they can play substantial minutes. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to trade Ennis Canner, but if Sabonis is a rock solid starting four man and you can play him for 28 to 32 minutes a night, uh, then Ennis Canner becomes very expendable and you can start going out and trying to look to fill positions of need that you had before. Um, because Canner's got, you know, an attractive contract. As much as people panned that contract a couple of years ago, now it's, you know, it looks better and better. And with him, you know, improving as a, uh, as a player, and he's only 24 years old, you know, Canner is, is somebody that somebody might want to trade for. So if you've got Sabonis locked in there and he's really, really good, um, you know, that, that's a big bonus for the Thunder. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big Sabonis for the Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, get me out of here. Get me out of here. Put him in the room. <laughs> Into the closet I go. That's Oh god, this is terrible. This You're is taking awful. more L's in this podcast than Sergio Yule. <laughs> <laughs> Am I grounded? I think you're, I'm grounded. You're joining me in the closet. Yeah, now. put me right. put me away. That's 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 it. We're 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 I'm I'm cutting I'm cutting us off. I'm I'm putting I'm I'm telling you tomorrow anyone who clicks on this podcast it's just gonna be it's gonna be forty minutes of silence and that's right. gonna be it and it's gonna be better than this. The audio is bad. We just decided to just delete it. Yeah, yeah. Our my <laughs> seat geek promo and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll take we'll take we'll take the common excuse of 2016 and say our mics were defective.
Yeah. <laughs> I'm, do you hear me? I'm inhaling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything to plug? You're, you're at Royce Young on Twitter. Anything at Royce Young. Um, nothing. Yeah, go, go to look at that. Um, nothing to plug, though. Not, nothing significant. All right. Well, Royce is uh, at ESPN.com. Royce is on SportsCenter. Uh, Royce is at other ESPN places. Royce is on True TV Podcast a lot. Where else are you? Uh, those places, those locations. I'm also in my house, in my office, sometimes. There you go, and sometimes locked in the room for, for right. terrible jokes. Uh, before we go, I'm on. Remember, every weekday, Monday through Friday, you can add onto iTunes and subscribe to Locked On Thunder there. If you have any questions or comments, email Locked On Thunder at gmail.com. And if you want to reach out for advertising or anything like that, and I can work in your ads as seamlessly as I do SeatGeek, you can just. Email me at LockedOnThunder at gmail.com too or hit me up on Twitter for that or for any other concerns or to tell me that you love or hate the show at Fred Katz on Twitter, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z. Log on to NormanTranscript.com for all your Thunder needs and uh, and you can check out Thunder Road. That's my blog there. It's just drag drag over the sports tab on the site. Wait for the drop-down menu. Click on Thunder Road. You can follow team coverage and what's next for the Thunder there. Get on SeatGeek and when you do – Remember to use my promo code LOTHUNDER, one word, to get that $20 rebate on your first purchase. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be over – I'm just going to do a, a themed game called Real or Fake, basically kind of a, a variation of what Royce and I were talking about, just some observations from the first couple of preseason games and whether they're real or whether they're just fake preseason stuff. Uh, so I'm going to be playing that tomorrow, and that will be a fun way to end the week. Um, I am back I guess tomorrow for uh, more preseason stuff and for that game. And until next time, Lock on Thunder is locking up. <laughs>